Hello, y'all, and welcome to Jackalope Tales, Urban Legends and Music. I'm your host, Charles Mooney. And I'm Lisa Umbarger. And with us today are our production crew, Jenny. Hello. Jeannie. Bonjour. And on the board, <laughs> Sam the Impaler. I love to impale. Wait. We have a special welcome for our new associate mm. producer, Natalie. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Congratulations, Natalie. Yes, welcome aboard. great job. What's been going on with you? Man, I've been going to see a lot of shows lately, but have you noticed freaking how much Live Nation, Ticketmaster, all those people are putting markups on the tickets? God, it sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, I just got tickets for a show, just <clears throat> cheap lawn seats, and the tickets were $29. Okay. Yeah, 29 bucks. 29. That's fine. I'll take it. Yeah. But the markup on the tickets were the same amount <laughs> with taxes and whatever. All and the stupid random fees that they throw in. Yeah. God. It's ridiculous. No, it really is. Because we were talking about it the other day. I remember the first concert I went to, and it was Kiss mm-hmm. back in 1980. 12 years old. We stood in line at Peaches which oh, then yeah. became Sound Warehouse. And I had looked at the ticket stub, and the ticket was 10 bucks, and probably 10 bucks is what we paid. Yep. Nowadays, when you see all these prices for shit... And you're getting it <clears throat> online. They don't even print a ticket, and they're putting all these fees on it, and you cannot get away with it. And in fact, I looked it up because Beyonce is supposedly the highest-priced one right now. Average ticket prices... $600 a piece. That's the average. Average. That's yeah. ridiculous. I know. Ed Sheeran, they got his average at 550 Taylor Swift is 480 And then The weekend is about 420 Holy cow. So The weekend's looking sad. He's got to up his average. <laughs> <laughs> I saw somewhere, I think it was Twitter, that someone is suing Beyonce because um, she paid $1,400 from a ticket broker for a Beyonce ticket. Uh, and she was doing two shows. I think it might have been Atlanta. Yeah. Two shows. She paid $1,400 a piece for her tickets, and then Beyonce announced another show, and the same place where she was, she got her ticket for is 300 bucks. Oh. So she's suing because she bought tickets from a ticket broker, and oh. then Beyonce announced another show. Oh, no. That's crazy. I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's why it's so great to go to clubs and things. Ten bucks at the door, no fees. Way better. It makes me sad, though, because I wanted to go see Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode tickets are, for the cheap seats, 92 yeah. bucks. It's uh, ridiculous. What is the most you've paid for a ticket? Hmm, probably The Cure. Ah. And this has been a while. I saw The Cure, and the, the tickets were... Like 80 bucks a piece. I actually went to go see Cigarose. Oh, yes. Amazing show, but I think it, yeah, the tickets were about 120. See, uh, I would probably do that. I, it depends on the band, how often they come through, how important are they to you. I wanted to go see PJ Harvey. Tickets were <clears throat> 150, and it was general admission. Oh, so it wasn't even seats, it was no. 150. And so I didn't go, but now I was. I'm kind of sad that I didn't uh, go. I wish I'd gone. But 150, and yeah. then you can end up in the back. Yeah, and I'm old, and I will I end know. up in the back. If I'm paying 150, I want a place to sit. These legs get tired. Unobstructed view. Come on, man. Yep, exactly. What are we talking about today? Trigger warning: murder, cannibalism, and criminal stuff. So if you don't want to hear about any of that stuff, 
earmuffs, kids. Damn. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think you're up with the first one. Heck, yeah. Let's hear it. It seems like we just can't get away from Swedish death metal. <laughs> Uh, we have to keep on Who talking can? about. It. Who I know, can? right? I know. It just always it permeates <laughs> society. Those guys uh. keep trying to one up each other, <clears throat> and they're really successful at it. And just when you think you can settle down and focus on a nice ABBA reunion, the good Swedes, guys, good Swedes, <laughs> <laughs> these guys are all like jumping in for a, a segment of my favorite murder or whatever because they're. Oh, God. Killing and eating and doing all sorts <laughs> of weird stuff. Yep, so not ABBA. Yep, so here's one of them. Mikhail Nielsen. It's the stage name for this guy named Natrim. He's the singer for the band Silencer. He's a real gem. Have you heard of Silencer? I haven't. Neither have I. No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I'm excited to learn more. So there's a rumor that he sawed off his hands and sewed pig hoofs. To the nubs. Holy shit. Yeah. And there's pictures and there's people talking about it all over the internet that this guy sewed pig hooves (laughs) on his nubs. And I'm going, first of all, it's hard to believe because if you cut off your hands, how are you going to sew a pig nub, a pig hoof on your nub? Because I'm pretty sure with a hoof, it can't hold a needle. Yeah. So... The logistics of it just don't work. No, no, it's not sounding like it's... But Jenny Jenny just pointed out that it wouldn't be too hard to do one. It's the second one that seems really hard. Or super glue. Then if the super glue starts wearing down, it starts flopping. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, pardon my hoof flop. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, is I I don't think it's really practical. No. But it sounds pretty kick-ass. Can you imagine if you, like... I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're screwed with opening a door with, <laughs> or holding the mic. Really, he's a singer. Yeah, you can't hold the oh mic. Oh my god! Maybe he converted one of those harmonica holders to oh, a microphone. Maybe it's true. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but the story turned out to be a PR <clears throat> stunt. Oh damn! But if the pig feet would make you go viral, he's got to up the ante, right? And he did so by attacking a child with an axe. What? Wait, wait. Not one child, two children on a playground. Here's the story. Nat Ram shows up at a playground one morning, and he decides to attack the two six-year-old girls with an axe he stole. What the hell? The first girl took a blow to the head and miraculously survived. The second girl was wounded in the leg, and I couldn't find any more information about did it chop off a leg? Or was it just like a graze? Yeah. But I can't get past the kid with that axe wound to the head. My God. First of all, some musician just going to a playground. There's got to be the motive there. Right. So I found this axe. Yeah. I'm going to the playground. <laughs> oh, my God. So the police show up and Nat Room yells, kill me, kill me, before swinging the axe at them. And the cops distracted him with a canine unit and hit him in the head with a baton, knocking him out. And uh, Natty ended up in a mental institution where he recorded two records. (laughs) And then when he was... (laughs) Nice acoustics and and, uh, mental... Right. I mean, it works. The doctors prescribed writing music, thought it would be a good therapy for him. Okay. And he released one of the albums right after 
he was released from the mental institution. Yeah. And then completely disappeared into obscurity. Wow. Left the death metal scene, was just, just gone. Gone. Yep. Wow. From hooves to attacking kids on a playground? That's nuts. It is completely nuts. <laughs> I know. Now, the one I'm talking about goes a whole different route. Okay. I'm talking about the old country singer Merle Haggard. Dang it, I love him. God, I'm telling you, what a guy. So, I mean, there are so many astounding numbers and stats about him, about his legacy in country music. He's had 38 number one hits. Really? No kidding. 50 years of being relevant in country music. And then he's recorded 66 albums. Holy cow. I know. I thought nine would be a ton, but (laughs) I don't Something about this. And then he's also sold millions. But there's one stat that's brought up about Merle Haggard that seems to blow those all away. Is the fact that he has escaped from jail 17 times. <laughs> now, you got to wonder, how do you get into situations like jail where you escape 17 times? Yeah. Everything started really early for Merle. Well, like five, so, five, six. Close, close. Actually... At 11 years old. But to kind of give you an idea how the whole story pans out, he was born during the Depression in 1937 in California. Okay. His family lived in a converted boxcar. His dad was a fiddle player and and kind of do little shows just to try and make some money. For the hobos on the line? Yeah, right. (laughs) And he did work on the line, too. But when... Merle was nine years old. His dad died of a brain hemorrhage. Oh, man. And so that big influence and love of music, and he really lost his best friend is what he said. And so his mom, of course, is having to take care of Merle and his two siblings. Hey, so his mama tried. Is that a Merle Haggard song? Is that like a true story? Uh, Yes, I do remember reading that. Had to be. Because a bunch of all his songs are really about what he's experienced. Yeah, Mama tried her. Yeah, I didn't know that was a true story. Yeah, it is. Because his mom was working full time and had to be away from home so much. And so Merle, being that young, started skipping school and starting mischief. And if you really look at what he was like then, people would say he had ADHD. He just couldn't sit still, couldn't control himself. He loved the old country songs about riding trains and just drifting around the country. And that gave him kind of a love for that kind of life. Yeah. And I'm a lonesome fugitive. Another big favorite. Sorry. Yes. Just, uh, see? Yes. See? I'm yeah. telling you, you got to appreciate it because that's why he's so respected in country music because it really comes right from his life. And so at 11... That's when Merle broke the law for the first time, when he and a friend hopped on a train to Fresno, and the train they hopped onto, the car, the door was locked, so they basically rode on the outside of it. Oh, man. (laughs) All the way. They got to Fresno, and then they were taken into custody then. They were exhausted, cold. After that, he was then picked up for truancy. He even attempted car thefts, and that was all before he was even 14. 
<laughs> I love that you can get picked up for both truancy and car theft. I feel like there's a really big they go gap hand in hand between the two of them. <laughs> you skipped school and you stole a vehicle. They're not on the same level. Oh no! I guess if you skip school, you want to go somewhere. That's true. <laughs> Merle's a gangster. He really is. His first time being in jail was when he was 14 because he and a buddy from school, when he was at school, uh, they convinced two girls to go with him and his friend to Las Vegas. They hopped a train to do it. And sadly, the train didn't go to Las Vegas. It went to Los Angeles. Mm. So when they got to Los Angeles, they stole a car and then started driving to Nevada. And then the car broke down or just outside of Nevada and officers found him. And then they took him and his buddy. They were put in jail for two weeks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So later, Merle was arrested many times for truancy because in his freshman year in high school, he was there 10 days. He went to school 10 days his freshman year. That's all you need. They should have called him, <laughs> he's like the Ferris Bueller of his day. <laughs> it, but, Merle times. Bueller. <laughs> Nine times. <laughs> right? Car theft, robbery for fighting hobos for a can of peas. <gasps> I would pay for that. <laughs> Isn't there, aren't there videos of this? Not back then. Oh, okay. Just word of mouth. That's too bad. I think that's where they got the ideas, though, hobo fights. It must have been a good can of peas. His final crime, the big crime, happened Christmas Eve as he was older. He and his buddy got drunk. And Merle was being plagued by financial problems. So they decided to rob a local restaurant. Being drunk and wanting to rob the restaurant, and they thought it was 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. So they broke into the back door of the restaurant. Actually, it was 10.30 a.m. when they did it. Oh, no. (laughs) I don't know how you get 3 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. confused. Blurred vision. (laughs) Maybe. So they broke in, and the place was full of customers and employees. (laughs) (laughs) So they made a dash for it, and then he was later arrested that day. And because of his extensive rap sheet, a judge put him in San Quentin. Ooh, the big house. Try to teach him a lesson. And during that time he was in San Quentin, he got to know some of the people that were even on death row. So he started like kind Shug of— Like Suge Knight? Well, I mean, it could have been Suge Knight's grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Just experiencing that where they were put to death, it really kind of awakened him. But then there's also a story where when Johnny Cash played at San Quentin, Merle Haggard was in the audience. Really? And he said that— he had first thought of Johnny Cash as, ah, eh, he's okay. But once he got to see him there and the way Johnny Cash would shoot the middle finger at the cops and everything and just <laughs> being there for the prisoners, that's when he said that he really respected him. So that was an inspiration, too, for him to clean up his act. And then in 1972, 
old Ronnie Reagan, the governor in California, mm-hmm. pardoned Merle Haggard really? of every crime he had committed. Might be the only good thing Ronnie did. No. Oh. So, Except yeah. for that movie with the monkey. Oh, the monkey's great. <laughs> <laughs> you can never go wrong with farts and monkeys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the story on Merle. Wow. So Merle. did Johnny Cash, do you know if Johnny Cash knew that no, he, he influenced didn't. him? No. Merle talked to him about it, and Johnny Cash didn't even realize he was out there. That's so, really cool. Yeah. It is really cool aspect to the story. But now, going from country, where are we going to next? Let's go to rap. Go to rap. So there's this <clears throat> rapper called Big Lurch, and he's considered one of the pioneers of horrorcore, which is a subgenre of rap that I never knew existed. Have no. you heard of this? I know Lurch from the Adams Family. Right. But Big Lurch. Ooh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so Big Lurch's real name is, is Anton uh, Singleton. Okay. And he probably got his rap name because he's six foot seven. He's a giant man. Good God. Right. And I'm guessing that his friends are probably making fun of him a little bit. Yeah. Because would you pick the name Lurch? No, I wouldn't. Like many others, right when he was on the cusp of stardom, drugs got in the way. Oh. Lurch began performing at age 15. Yeah. Which is really young for a rapper. While others were rapping about sex, drugs, and street cred, he was writing about vampires, serial killers, and cannibalism. Pushing so, the envelope. I know, right? Yeah. I'm guessing probably, you know, like kids, he's watching horror movies, and that's probably around the yeah. time of all the Michael Myers movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So oh, heavily yeah. influenced by movies and TV and yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's like he was priming the pump for things to come. Oh, no. So in uh, 2000, I know. Oh. In 2000, Big Lurch broke his neck when he was rear-ended by a drunk driver. He should have listened to Wu-Tang, you know, protect your neck. He didn't. <laughs> yeah. He did oh, not. No. But like ODB said, Wu-Tang <clears throat> is for the children. Mm-hmm. And um, mm. maybe he was too old. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway. So Lurch was prescribed a crap ton of medication, one of which was not... PCP, but it turns out that's the one he liked best. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the one he used the the most. Oh, no. Gravitated towards that. Yeah. So the hallucinations from the PCP led to some very gruesome lyrics. And on April 19th, 2002, he and his roommate were smoking some PCP. Oh, God. And they kept smoking it. Yeah. And they kept smoking it. And then they decided, hey, let's have a party. Yeah. Because why not bring some more people into this thing that we're doing Oh yeah, with the PCP? Oh, yeah. Makes you want to have a gathering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. They're having the big party. A lot of people are over. And um, Big Lurch, he, he starts getting tired of all the people around. He kicks everybody out of the apartment, even oh, his roommate. No. Good Lurch, Bad Lurch. Bad Lurch showed yeah, up. Yeah. And uh, he kicks everyone out except for his roommate's girlfriend. And this is where it gets crazy. Crazy. His roommate's name's Tanisha. And when they were alone, Lurch brutally attacked her and he killed her. But if that wasn't bad enough, he ripped her chest apart and pulled out her right lung and ate it. Damn! Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Cannibalism. Right. And when the police caught him, he was naked, covered in blood, running down the street, howling at the moon. Just having a total breakdown. Which is, you know, it's always a red flag when uh, you're covered in blood running down the street naked. Oh, yeah. 
Either that or you're in Springtown. Shout out, Texas. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) If you you guys come to Texas, don't go to Springtown. (laughs) (laughs) That could happen. Yeah. (laughs) But when uh, Big Lurch was examined by the medical examiner, they found flesh and blood in his stomach. God. That were not his. Oh, oh my God! This is a great advertisement for PCP. Yeah. Oh, good God! Hey, kids. <gasps> there it is. There, what? Oh, man! You gotta love this moment. I think the kazoo is my favorite. It's very emotional. Yeah. <laughs> I was feeling it, and then I didn't feel it. Yeah. Again. It was gone? It was gone. Uh. Just like that. <laughs> That's what the kazoo does. It's so there and then it's it gone. It totally is. Uh. And just like this segment of the show, which is called the Lone Star Salute, and this is where we read one-star reviews of albums, artists, music, concerts. Anything. Anything to do with music or yep. pretty much anything we make up because we like things. And we love it when it's a one-star. Right. Way more entertaining than a five-star. Way more. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Oh, I will be happy to go first. So, sticking with uh, crime, this is a review of a Marie Osmond album. My so, favorite. Oh, she's a little bit country. Country, I know. And then Donnie was a little bit rock and roll. That was a jackalope tale. <laughs> Holy crap! Was just he the never fact that they that. had a sketch show. Oh right. my god! But I remember that one. Marie Osmond went and branched into the world of almost like a Celine Dion kind of music with her album. Vomit. Unexpected (laughs) is the name of the album. (laughs) And here is a review by someone named Hardy Boy 64. Okay. Remember the Hardy Boys? I do. Matt and Jeff Hardy? Mm. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They're still active, by the way. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Now, what his title is of the review is Terrible Singing. Hmm. Yeah. If you have the remotest understanding of singing technique, which I don't, but let's see what he says. Vibrato, enunciation, open versus pitched tone. You'll realize that this is quite literally the worst demonstration of it all. I was a huge fan of Marie as a teenager and loved her Easy style vocals, but she is so far out of her league here. I would even say that this CD is disrespectful of the source material. Her enunciation is so weird on this CD, and she's always had a very lazy R when when she sings. Yeah, But here it's just plain annoying. Instead of around, she sings a wound. It's a speech impediment. <laughs> I can't understand how someone thought this was worth releasing. He's so Marie in... Osmond uh, <laughs> can't say a wound. So yeah. he's kicking her in the crotch because she's got a speech impediment. <laughs> it's probably all that plastic surgery she's had. She can't <laughs> say R anymore. It's, her cheeks are too tight. Yeah. <laughs> wound. I'm going wound. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Hardy Boy 64, not happy at all with Marie. Hmm. Maybe Donnie will do better. How much do you want to bet that Hardy Boy 64 falls into the boomer generation? Yes. Oh, yeah, no just, question. Just based on, just based solely on his username. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And Definitely. just that he was a huge fan of Marie as a teenager. He was 14. Maybe he's sad that nothing ever came of it. I maybe yeah. Except in deep the shower. regret. Deep regret. Oh god. <laughs> he yeah, he's just sad that he never got to experience the lazy R <laughs> on his on his lazy D. <laughs> oh. oh a little help with the Irish spring. <laughs> oh man. Oh. So yeah, so Marie Osmond needs to go back to country, I guess. But you can't say country. Country. It's got an R in it. <laughs> Touche. Uh, what do you have here? So I really love this band, but I found a review for them. It's a review for the a live show of Goat mm. at the Roundhouse London by someone named Horns and Cloth. <laughs> okay. So here we go. <laughs> Swedish band Goat described their performance as harvesting souls, more like harvesting shit. <laughs> they spent the entire set trying to conjure the spirit world, but all I saw was a bongo jam. I wanted darkness, and instead I got metallic leggings and promises of sacrificial offerings that never happened. Everyone left with their soul, not worth the money. Oh, <laughs> oh that's good. Have you heard Goat? No, I haven't. I've got to now. Oh, my God. Have it, anyone in the control room, have you guys heard Goat? I don't know Goat. Apparently, their live shows are the stuff of legend. Yeah. Wow. I want to go so bad. They have not been close. I've not seen them live. I've only seen video. And I've spent days in the mountains of Colorado listening to them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now i got to see them live. Were They're you doing amazing. goat yoga while you were there? <laughs> We were doing bongo jams. <laughs> bongo jams or bong hits. This was uh, Colorado. Yeah. It, yes. <laughs> yes to all of that. Oh, it was good. Oh. Oh, man. Oh. Those were good. That really was. That was a good show, focusing on crime. Yeah, I I'll, love crime. Yeah. But not around me. I no. like crime, like, talking about and it. See, and see, and there's crime there. everywhere. There's crime in country. There's crime in... Death metal. Crimea. Crime, yeah. <laughs> Crimea River. <laughs> Whoa! It's time for the happy ending. Oh my God, yes! <laughs> <laughs> this is a part of Jackalope Tales where we review what we talked about. Yep, yep. We and, review each of the stories. And we reveal, is yep. it real or is it a Jackalope Tale? Okay, the first story. Natrum. Yep. This one has a really cool twist. Oh, really? So the murder, or it actually wasn't murder, the axe to the head, was not really Natrum. It was ah. his brother Patrick. What? And Natty kind of took responsibility what? for it and yeah? built his legend around it. It was not him. Wow. That, that's a twist. Yeah. Good. So his brother offed himself... And uh, Natty went to a mental institution, so everyone just assumed he did it. Excuse me? That's an amazing twist on that one. Yeah. God. Black metal twist and turn. <laughs> it really is. Now, mine doesn't have that big a twist. Mine's Merle Haggard. Now, the whole thing about 17 times escaping prison, they say that could include the time he was... Kept as a juvenile, like at a foster home, things like that. 17 times from an actual prison, doubtful. 
But he did try to escape a few times. But 17, that's more of a jackalope tale. But there's some realness there. Oh, there is. He was in prison for much of his life. And then Big the good Lurch. old you rang. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this looks like this is real with Big Lurch. He went to jail. Yeah. And he's serving two lifetime consecutive sentences. Yeah. Hooray! <laughs> Man. <laughs> Sounded like he needed to be put away. But his fans are saying that he was set up. What? So running naked with blood blood on you is being set up. The guts of a person you might have eaten was (laughs) being set up. It was being set up. So he thinks that the man set him up. Oh. And he even he pled guilty at first. And then he's saying that he had a really horrible attorney. (laughs) <laughs> and he was not he's not guilty. <laughs> oh, a better attorney right. would have gotten a bloody guy walking naked down the street off. Right. Okay. Right. So okay. that's for reals. Oh man. Unless you're a big lurch with which he thinks it one he wants to make it a jackalope tail. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're doing the most. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's been a good episode talking about crime it has and all been. that nasty stuff. It has been. Yeah. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And please follow the links on our show notes to find us on the socials. Subscribe, rate, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And join us next time as we question, is it real or is it a jackalope tale?